Hello, this is Pastor Corey Ehrman. You're listening to my podcast. I hope it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you through this teaching. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. I want to speak to you about the promise of the Father. I'm teaching on the Holy Spirit in this month's course of the River School of Ministry. But this teaching is not about the gifts, even though we touch on those of the Spirit. It's not about the ministry, anointings, and healings, miracles. It's not about the power in that regards. But of course, we, it's impossible to talk about the Holy Spirit, not speak about the power that comes by the Holy Spirit. But I've been really speaking and, and teaching on the person of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is not an entity, He's a deity. He is not a feeling, he's not a force, he's not goosebumps, he's not chills up and down your spine, he's not rolling on the floor, he's not just being filled with laughter or joy, but he is ultimately a person. And he has a personality, he has a character, he has a nature. His nature is holy. If you want to know what his nature is, you look at the nine fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's the character of the Holy Spirit. So when, we're in, when we have the infilling of the Holy Spirit, what we need to understand is that he comes to live on the inside of us and he's not just a feeling, he's not some force, but he is God himself. God the Spirit, the third person of the Godhead that comes to live on the inside of us. And he is the Father's promise. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, Jesus speaking to his disciples right before his basically departure from the earth into the clouds. He said, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Everyone say, the promise of the Father. Which said he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, this verse is very special to me because coming out of the Islamic religion, I became the first born again person in my family. Ever that we know of, going back who knows, centuries, if there was any before me, I don't know. But I didn't know anything about church, so I ended up among uh, what you would call the more mainline denominational type church, because I just didn't know anything about church. A friend of mine said, hey, let me take you to a church, and it was a big church there in Houston, Texas at the time, and when, we, when I moved to Houston right after college, and and it was a Baptist church. I didn't know. It was a Southern Baptist church. This is how clueless I was. I wondered, is there Northern Baptist? Maybe if we go out west there, they call them themselves Western Baptist. I don't know. Then I saw the free Baptist. And I thought, oh my God, if these are the free, I don't want to see the bound. <laughs> but that's how, how clueless I was about church. So I spent the first close to four and a half, five years of my Christian life among the Baptist. God bless the Baptist. But there was a growing hunger in me, a growing thirst, because when I was 
first saved, I, I was, the first week I got saved, I led five of my friends to the Lord. I was just on fire. I didn't know that I was. I just thought that that's what happens. I mean, and then, and then people were warning me, uh, you, you have too much zeal, you know, calm down. You'll become like us soon, so don't worry. Just, you know, do what we do. But I lost that passion. I lost that fire. And I was now in a career traveling a lot all over the place. So I was not in church a lot. Um, and I would try to go to church as much as I could. I was on projects, going to different cities, working in consulting. And so, but one of the things that happened was there were a lot of these projects that I pursued. I mean, that was the project to be on. If you wanted to advance, that was the project. And I would pray. I would do everything I could to get on the projects, and I would always end up on the worst project nobody wanted to go to. But I look back on it now, thank God, because God was really orchestrating something in my life, because that just drove me to a hunger, and in the, I would say in this, the latter part, the second part of 95, I was just desperate. You know, the Baptists, they teach you how to pray. I had all the prayer points, the prayer methods. I took prayer 101, prayer 102, all that kind of stuff. But Master Life 101, Master Life 102. But, you know, and they had, I had my quiet time in the morning as they taught us and went through all my prayer list. But my prayer list became shorter and shorter and my words became less and less until there was only literally one second prayer, one word, God! I, I, I was so desperate and hungry, I could not verbalize what I felt. You know, I just, I, I didn't even, I had never been around revival. I didn't know the revival prayers. I just watching those kids, I love it. They have the revival language, you know, it's just amazing that it's being, you know, formed in them. You know, I'm growing in the word, I'm growing in the spirit, you know, I'm like, I was praying, asking for my prayer language. I didn't even know what that was. So there was just a desperation a hunger for more of God. And I didn't even know what I was asking for, to be honest with you. I didn't know, like I said, all the revival players. Oh God, I'm so hungry for you. I'm so thirsty for you. Come and touch me, baptize me in the Holy Ghost and fire. Fill me and use me for your glory. I didn't know those prayers. And I've heard people pray those prayers, but they don't get the results because it's not about mouthing off some prayer like a parrot, but it's about a hunger that's, that's deep on the inside of you. A hunger and a thirst. So there was just an absolute desperation. And I knew that I knew God had something for my life. And I, and I felt stuck. I can't do this anymore. And I mean, and so I was crying out to the Lord. And one day I was praying. And I went to Matthew 3.11, where John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that is coming after me is mightier than I, and he will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. And it was like that. Scripture just jumped off the page, the best way I can describe it, became alive and like just grabbed me. It just, that scripture just grabbed me. And I was like, I was just grabbed by it. I'm like, ah, I just saw something. I knew repentance. I knew water baptism. I had repented. I had received, I had been water baptized. But I thought to myself, what is this baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire? Do I have this? And then I thought to myself, if I have to ask, I don't. Because if I did, I would know it. If I don't know it, then I haven't had it. And then I remembered because what happened really in 95 was I 
you know, I, I asked a lot of questions. I'm a, I'm, I ask a lot of questions, so I asked the Baptists. Because I, you know, I said, what about this Holy Spirit? You know, and they said, well, he helps you read the Bible. That was about all they told me. I said, well, that's wonderful. So I asked the Holy Spirit, and I read the Bible, and I read the book of Acts. And when I read the book of Acts, I mean, it just really, you know, changed my life in the sense because I read it with the Holy Spirit. I said, Holy Spirit, I want to read this book of Acts. And because you see, as coming out of growing up as a Muslim, I had many supernatural encounters on the way to my salvation. It, it wasn't just like, it wasn't overnight. It took several years. God had to do a work in me because you're so indoctrinated. I was taught Jesus is just a prophet. He did not die on the cross. It's blasphemy to call him the son of God. You know, when you're brought up like that, you're brought up in the harsh religion. I mean, you're indoctrinated with it, even in religion class, at, in, starting with first grade. And my grandfather on my father's side was a, what we considered a holy religious man. He had gone to the pilgrimage in Mecca five times. I mean, he prayed five times a day, so... You know, remembering as a young boy, there was a hunger in me for the things of God. But I just didn't know any better. And, um, and they tell me that when I was a kid, um, my mother's mother, so my grandmother on my mother's side, she sort of kind of raised me as both my parents worked. My grandfather died at a very young age. He was 53. I was only three years old. So my, so my grandmother, she kind of, took care of me. I would spend the summers with her. She had a summer home and whatever. So, and she was a history teacher, high school history teacher. So, you know, as a kid, grandma, tell me stories. Tell me stories. And so what did she tell me? She just told me history. I knew history, you know, world history by the age of my, my first, second grade. I knew world history. And then they tell me that whenever she would have the ladies over for tea or whatever, I would jump on the coffee table and I would be telling them history. preaching but I didn't have any word to preach so I'd preach history to them so they, they used to say maybe he's going to be an imam you know a holy imam and he'll be preaching in the mosque and that's what they maybe they said so you could see the call of God was on my life because I was called in my mother's womb you know the call of God was on me and the stirring was there but it's interesting you come out of one religion and you really end up in another religion almost in a sense because everything was just the same after several years, I lost all my passion. I lost all my, you know, just hunger for the things of God. But then I got desperate again, and I began to cry out in 95. So as I'm, and as after I read the book of Acts, I began to ask questions, you know. And then and I said, well, what about these things? What about these miracles, the signs, the wonders, the supernatural? Because one thing about reaching Muslims is you better have the supernatural. And they believe in the supernatural. They want to actually experience the supernatural. You go to a lot of countries, maybe not so much here in America, but because of the modern day culture, but you go to a lot of countries, people believe in the supernatural. They want to see the supernatural. So, and when they see the supernatural, it's like a big deal. And so the supernatural really, you know, grabbed my interest. I wanted to see the supernatural, which I, I didn't see in church at all. They had 50 minute services. They sang the same opening hymn every year I was there. So, you want to talk about tradition. And there, was some good, there were a lot of good messages that really touched my life. I'm not denying it. A lot of great messages, but 
the absence of the Holy Spirit, the absence of the move of the Spirit, the absence of what you see in the book of Acts. And I'm trained as an engineer. To me, the book of Acts was the blueprint. You know, that's the plan that God approved, you know, the architect of heaven, you know, and then he signed, sealed, delivered, stamped, approved. That's the plan for the church. But man takes the plan and builds something. And I looked at what man built and I looked at what the blueprint was and it failed the test. I could easily say, well, that what was built doesn't match the blueprint. It fails the test. So I got very hungry. I just was so hungry and I certainly didn't see it in church. I didn't know anything about revival. I didn't know anything about spirit-filled churches much at all because I was just so busy traveling all the time. So wherever I would go, I'd just try to go to a Baptist church, you know. And um, so that 95, I read the book of Acts, and I began to ask a lot of questions. I said, what about all of this? What about all of this? And I got one of two answers. Either stop asking questions, don't worry about it, which that annoys me, because that's how I was raised in Islam. Don't you, do not ask questions. Just accept it as it is. I mean, and so that's how you grow up, and so that even rob me the wrong way or it doesn't happen anymore like that and I said well where did you see that because I don't see anything about that I've read everything I've read the New Testament I've read through the whole Bible multiple times my nine. I don't see where it says it doesn't happen like that anymore so I just was hungry crying out to God God and one morning that scripture Matthew three eleven, just lit, I said it just became alive like that word became a person and just came and like just took me like this and, and it just shook me and, and I just, it spoke to me. Then I remember reading this one I just read in the book of Acts chapter one where Jesus is now making reference to what John the Baptist said because John the Baptist really in the introduction of the ministry of Jesus. When as he introduced, see he was the prophet that was called and anointed to prepare the way of the Lord so he had come he was the forerunner so he had been ministering and he had been recognized as a prophet of God he was a strange man you know wore weird clothes ate locusts and honey I guess you have to have honey to eat locusts I don't see another way to eat a locust without honey you have to have honey to eat a locust <laughs> wore sack like sackcloth Call people to repentance, repent, you know. And, and Jesus shows up at the River Jordan while John is baptizing. And John, of course, immediately recognizes who he is. I must decrease, he must increase. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. I only baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that comes after me is more powerful than I. And that word mighty or powerful is the word dunamis dynamite explosive power he's got the power because John had no sign he didn't have a supernatural ministry he, he had a, a ministry of repentance calling people to repent and, and baptize but he didn't have miracles signs wonders he had no signs he didn't have the supernatural Jesus had the power the next level stuff the supernatural he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire and Jesus comes he's baptized by John to fulfill righteousness the heavens open as he comes out of water the father speaks out of heaven 
this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the Spirit of God comes like a dove. He's not a dove. He's like a dove. That's his nature. Symbolic. And actually the Greek word says alighting, like flashes of lightning, like almost like wings. Like wings of light just kind of came and sat upon him. And then that's when Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit at the age 30. And that's when he started his ministry. He did not have a ministry. He did not preach, teach, perform any miracles, signs and wonders until the age of 30 because that's the age where priests are ordained, 30. So he was ordained as a priest at, to fulfill the law, the Mosaic law. You had to be 30. So he was 30. That's when he started his ministry. And right after, of course, the Spirit takes him into the wilderness for 40 days. And the Bible says he comes out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit, comes to Nazareth where he was brought up, goes into the synagogue as was his custom. It is handed to him the scroll of Isaiah the prophet. He opens it, finds the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he makes a declaration of his ministry of healing, deliverance, setting the captives free, preaching the year of Jubilee, God's grace, freedom, deliverance. And then of course, everybody cheered. No, they actually wanted to throw him off of a cliff when he said, these words are fulfilled in your hearing. So, the Holy Spirit, it's very important to understand that Jesus did not do anything until the Holy Spirit came upon him. Because we serve a God, we have one God, but he reveals himself in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Just like I'm a father, I'm also a husband, I'm also your pastor. My relationship with my wife is that of a husband, with my daughter is that of a father, with you is that of a pastor. It's three different relationships, but same person. What I do with my wife, I cannot do with any, anybody here or my daughter. Do you understand me? Because it's a different relationship, it's a different function. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, but reveals himself in three persons, co-equal, separate but co-equal, but in the Godhead of the Trinity, there's this amazing, not only unity, but this submission. The Father is the one who originates everything. He's the initiator. The Son, Jesus, the Word, speaks the Word, and He's the administrator. And the Holy Spirit is the one that takes the Word that is spoken, and He manifests it. He is the one that fulfills it. So when it's not only the infilling of the Holy Spirit, but they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, but they also it's the fulfillment. Everything that God has for you, every promise, not only in the Bible, that is general for every believer, but also specific to you, will be fulfilled by the Holy Spirit and cannot be fulfilled without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that is the fulfillment. He's the filling and the fulfilling. He's the one that manifests it. He's the one that does the work. He's the one that comes with the power to do the, the things. He brings the new birth when you're born again, the washing of the new birth. He brings in the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit of power with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. It's the Father's promise. The Father made a promise. It's the Father's gift. Jesus is the Father's gift to the world so that the world can be saved and not perish. That all should come to repentance, receive the Son, believe in Jesus, the one who died for our sins and rose from the dead, right? 
So Jesus, the Lamb of God, is the Father's gift to the world because the world needs salvation. But what about the church? The Holy Spirit is the Father's gift or promise to the church for empowerment and for having the help. We need help. The Holy Spirit is the one that comes to live on the inside of us to help us. He is God. He's not a feeling or a force. He's not a chill or goosebumps. He is the third person of the Godhead. That's why we are introducing those children to the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit that's going to make everything real to them. See, people have this idea, well, we just want to talk about Jesus. We don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit. But don't you understand that when you begin to talk about Jesus, the Holy Spirit shows up to reveal Jesus. You can't see Jesus without the Holy Spirit. You can't have access to the Father without Jesus, right? He's the Father's promise. And then Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and onto the uttermost part of the earth. Hallelujah. So these were the final words that Jesus spoke to his disciples after his 40 days of showing himself alive with many infallible proofs after the resurrection. And then he was taken up into the clouds, and the, they were looking up into the clouds, and these two men, doesn't, the Bible says two men, not angels, came and said, the same Jesus that you have gone up into the clouds will come back the same way. He's going to come back for the church on the clouds. But this time, just like Jesus was taken up into the clouds, the church will be taken up into the clouds. That's what we call the rapture, the catching away of the church. That's the next big prophetic event on God's calendar. The Father knows the time. He initiates the time. The Son speaks when it's time. When the Father says, Son... Bring the bride. The father's preparing. Jesus said, I go to my father to prepare a place for you. In my father's house are many mansions. And I will come and receive you unto myself so that where I am, you will be also. Hallelujah. The father is preparing a place for his son's bride. And when the time comes, the son, the bridegroom will receive his bride. The bride will be taken to heaven for the wedding supper. The marriage takes place. The Holy Spirit also is the seal, the promise of the father, also known as a promise ring or an engagement ring. So the fact that we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, we have received this earnest or this security deposit in a sense but also the promise of the father it's like a promise ring we an engagement ring so we are currently engaged see the wedding hasn't taken place yet we are engaged we're waiting for the wedding the bride is being prepared the bride is going through premarital counseling <laughs> to get ready the bride is being adorned, becoming beautiful, pure, clean, prepared, set apart. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about. The five foolish are the ones that will sort of break off the engagement in a sense. Because they will just, their hearts will go after other things. And they'll, they'll miss out on when the, the shout goes out. The bridegroom is coming. 
And that's how it would be. If you come to the Middle East, you come, to, you see, if, if anybody's ever seen Jewish weddings, it's the ancient culture. When the engagement takes place, the father prepares a house with all the furnishings and everything for his son, the bridegroom. And then when it's all ready and set, prepared, the father sends the son, bring your bride to the new place I've prepared for you. And then when the bridegroom is coming, there's always this procession that comes in front of him celebrating. They're entering with singing and dancing, joy into the village. And then they shout, the bridegroom is coming, the bridegroom is coming. And they all start, because you don't know when the bridegroom is going to come. You just know he's coming, but he didn't give you an exact date. See that? And they shout, the bridegroom's coming, and they, they, they all get ready, and the bride's all ready, and then the bridegroom takes the bride, and they leave. They leave the village. They leave the town. So we're about to leave this village, <laughs> this town. We're about to leave this earth, because we're going, because we're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God, our Father. So the Father is preparing a place for us, his son, and the son will come and receive the bride. But until that happens, we are told that the Holy Spirit is the seal of promise. Okay? He is the seal of promise. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 22. He has also sealed us, giving the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. The word earnest means a pledge or a down payment or an engagement ring. An engagement ring is a promise or pledge of a future marriage. So the, whole, the fact that when we get saved and then when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit and we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and his job is to prepare us. Do you understand me? He is the helper to prepare us. He is the one that reminds us. He's the one that prepares us. He's the one that teaches us. He's the one that instructs us because Jesus is coming back. But in the meantime, he left the Holy Spirit with us. And that's why when he told the disciples that he must leave, they were a little disturbed, right? Oh, we don't want you to leave. And Jesus said, no, no, no. It's more advantageous for you. It's to your benefit that I leave. Because if I don't leave, I cannot send the parakletos, the Holy Spirit. Because when I'm here, you're with me. Can you imagine if Jesus never left? He was still like hanging around Jerusalem. And then you needed to see Jesus. Billions of people trying to go to Jerusalem to see Jesus. Can you imagine that? You have to go there, take a number. You wait 65 years to finally get time with him. And you, you only get 10 seconds. Okay, you only got 10 seconds, so you got 10 seconds. You better, like, I don't know what you're going to do. You're going to kiss his feet. I don't know, follow, I mean, I don't know what you're going to hug him. You're going to ask him a question. What are you going to do? You got 10 seconds because there's millions of people waiting because he's the only one that has the Holy Spirit. So that's why he said it's more advantageous that I leave because when I leave, I will send you another one just like me, comforter. The word is parakletos. Combination of two words. Para means to be nearby, to be close by. Kletos comes from kaleo, which means to be called. 
It's actually when we talk about the call of God, like Paul says, I've been called as an apostle and a teacher to the Gentiles. That's that word, I've been called. So think about this. The Holy Spirit is the one called to be near you, to be close to you. He has a calling. So just like, listen, Jesus came from heaven on a mission and his mission was to seek and save the lost and to pay the price for our salvation as the Lamb of God. When he fulfilled his calling, his mission, he left. And he goes, I've done my part. I'm leaving. It's better because now when the Holy Spirit comes, he will be with you and he will be in you. He will abide with you. Like It's like he's going to stick to you. He's, he's going to be, he's called on a mission to come help you, to prepare you, to be with you, to anoint you, to, to empower you, and to lead you, to guide you as the one that's called to be close to you, like the one that sticks closer than a brother. And Jesus said, he will never leave you, never forsake you. So the Holy Spirit is on a mission right now. His number one mission in the world is to convict the world so they repent. But his other mission for the church is to prepare the church. Empower the church. Prepare the church. He's called to be with us. He's on a mission. And guess what? He never fails his mission and he's not gonna leave his post his post is to be in you to be with you he's called to stick to you he's called the parakletos the comforter the helper the intercessor the teacher the counselor the standby the advocate so he we have to recognize him, not just as some experience, but we have to recognize the person of the Holy Spirit, that his job, his assignment, his mission is to be with us, to help us on a daily basis, to prepare us, to guide us, to speak to us, to show us things to come, to reveal us the things that Jesus taught, speak to us about our life, direction, counseling us, teaching us, comforting us, helping us. Anybody here need help? <laughs> Holy Spirit, help. help! Let me tell you right now, you will never walk alone. Amen. Ever. And I've dealt with so many Christians. See, see, what did Jesus say? I will not leave you as orphans. I met many Christians that have like an orphan spirit, like an orphan. They think they're just like all on their own. They haven't receive the revelation that the Holy Spirit has been called to be with them to abide that word abide is like he's like Holy Ghost super glued to you you can't get rid of him because he's I'll never leave you even when I mess up you can't get rid of him even when I even when I'm dumb and stupid and I've done all kinds of dumb things he will not leave you never forsake you he'll be grieved and and you'll know he's grieved and that's your safeguard that, hey, I've done something wrong. I feel that the Holy Spirit's been grieved. Something feels ugh, yucky and not right. And that tells you things are not in order. So you say, Holy Spirit, what is the deal? What have I done here? And he'll tell you what you've done and you'll fix it. And he'll help you fix it too. And, and so Holy Spirit is this most amazing person. The greatest person you can ever know. Somebody said, 
Greater than Jesus? Yes, because Jesus is not on the earth. The Holy Spirit is. And he's the one, you want to know the Father, the Son? He's the one that reveals them. He's your connection to the Godhead. He's your connection to heaven. He's your connection to everything that has to do with God. And so he is called and sent on a mission to be your best friend, your partner, your helper, your comforter, your guider, your guidance counselor. <laughs> counselor and guiding you, teaching you, helping you, strengthening you. He's the strengthener. He strengthens you. So there's that sevenfold description of parakletos in the Amplified. Helper, comforter, strengthener, teacher, counselor, intercessor. What does that mean? He speaks to the Father on your behalf. He makes intercession for you. And he's the advocate. That means he'll take up your case and defend your case. He'll vindicate you. You don't have to fight your own battles. You forgive, you let go, you put it in the hands of the Holy Spirit and he handles everything. He settles everything for you. He defends you when you're accused. You don't have to take matters into your own hands. If you've, been, if you've suffered injustice, what does it mean to forgive you? Forgive means it's not in my hands. I'm not the judge. I put it in the hands of the Holy Spirit. He's my advocate. He's going to defend my case. And some of these are, if you think about it, legal terms. Isn't that right, Brother Diego? Also, attorneys are called counselors. They counsel you on matters of the law. So the Holy Spirit is the one, is the one who's going to counsel you on the matters of the law of God. The Bible says the law has been written in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So he counsels you in the matters of, guides you within the boundaries of the will of God, God's plan for your life. Isn't that wonderful? The Holy Spirit's amazing. He's wonderful. I want to encourage you to make him your best friend. Without the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. Jesus even said, without me, you can do nothing. But for some reason, the church world thinks that we can do church without the Holy Spirit. Well, we just want to talk about Jesus. He's not on the earth. Holy Spirit is. Jesus even said, I must leave so that the Holy Spirit comes. Why? Because he's coming to replace me. Because he's one just like me but what's great is I can only be in one place because right now I'm the word in the flesh so when I leave now the word can come and be in many many I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh so now you'll have billions of people on the planet Christ-like Christians anointed ones filled with the Holy Spirit spread out throughout the whole world being a witness Somebody say, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Forgive us, Holy Spirit, for the times we have not acknowledged you. Forgive us, Holy Spirit, for the times we just try to take matters into our own hands and we got in the flesh. We try to do things ourselves without seeking your help and your support, your strength and your help. Forgive us, Holy Spirit, for the times we grieved you or even resisted you. Forgive the church, Holy Spirit. The ones that are betrothed to be married 
and the bridegroom is coming and many have not even realized that they've been engaged they're still out there in the world dating around flirting with the world looking for the world some boyfriend or girlfriend in the world in a thing you know just in a because that's the picture that's given to us that even in the old testament israel was married to god and god is a jealous god and when they turned their backs on god was it not only idolatry it was also adultery because their hearts drifted away because that's how it really starts it's not just a physical act of adultery but it, when someone's heart begins to drift away and the love grows cold and that's why jesus says come back to your first love rededicate your life you become lukewarm be hot be cold don't act like you're engaged to me but then you're still looking for somebody else if you're truly engaged to me then you know i'm coming for you soon prepare yourself prepare yourself you have received an engagement ring ring you have received a promise ring the earnest the security sealing you have been sealed by the holy spirit you have received a mark that you belong to me i'm coming back soon when the time is right i'm coming back soon i'm coming back soon holy spirit we need your help every single day and my prayer is that every single person today this morning under the sound of my voice comes to the place of seeking you an intimate relationship with you like never before recognizing you as a person recognizing the relationship the communion the partnership the communication the sharing that we have with you you're preparing us that's your mission we recognize your mission we honor your mission we yield ourselves to you we surrender our lives to you we acknowledge you as the one that's called alongside us the standby to be with us to be in us to walk with us to talk to us to lead us to guide us to protect us thank you holy spirit you are so welcome you are so welcome you are so welcome we love you we thank you and i can tell you right now what happened with me when i saw those scriptures you shall be baptized he was helping me the holy spirit was helping me the whole time to see to recognize what was missing in my life as a christian that i didn't have the fullness of what was ordained for me as a christian i'd received a new birth i've been water baptized but i had never been told about the baptism in the holy spirit he told me i did not hear this in some pentecostal or charismatic or some spirit-filled church or some revival conference i got this in the morning prayer time reading my bible the holy spirit just came alive came off the page 
like a person took me like this said I am the Holy Spirit who baptizes you with fire the one Jesus talked about do you want me to come to fulfill that promise the father's promise when I saw that my father had promised me something I said father father you made a promise you made a promise to send the Holy Spirit into my life to baptize me to fill me that I will be immersed in the Holy Spirit and the fire the holy fire of God to burn in me to burn through me to empower me I you said I shall receive power and I begin to scream I want your power And it was like somebody took a bucket of gasoline. I kid you not, poured it on me, lit a match. It hit my head and my shoulders went through my whole body. It was like this fire came on me, my whole body. It, somebody said, what does, it, what does it feel like? I don't know. Go stick your finger in the light socket. I, it was like I got struck with a bolt of lightning, surging power through me. Normally you get struck by lightning, you die. But I got struck with Holy Ghost lightning. I lived. But it was like the old man died and somebody else lived. You know, it, it was like such a radical transformation. Power of God surging through me. I'm shaking under the power of God. I can't even contain it. I fell on my knees. I, I'm just weeping uncontrollably out of my belly. I started weeping and laughing at the same time. I started prophesying I shook like that for 45 minutes and after 45 minutes I said God I can't take this power anymore I kid you not I thought I'm gonna explode and then it just was light on me and I felt it it was almost like this surging current going through my body for a week and within a few days I got the opportunity to pray for a 17 year old Muslim girl that had a tumor the size of a lemon on, on her neck when I laid my hands on her, the fire got hit her, the, the tumor dissolved. And immediately I was introduced to the power flowing through me to help people. Not to help me to get a big name. Oh wow, look at him. Man of, great man of faith and power. Uh, no, it's to help people. When you have that when you have the heart of the Holy Spirit to help people that's when you'll be used of the anointing the anointing is not for you to make a name for yourself the anointing is not for you to have a big ministry big social media following draw big crowds the anointing operates by love because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of love and he comes to help people and comfort people and when you love people to help them and comfort them and you'll watch and you'll see the Holy Spirit move in such an amazing way it'll not be about you it'll be about making Jesus known and people getting to know Jesus and getting the help they need whether it's healing deliverance whatever it is they need our hearts have to be to honor the Holy Spirit I am not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. I stand here before you boldly telling you the story of what happened in my life. I don't care if you think I'm crazy. Couldn't care less because I know him. I don't know you. 
People criticize you from afar. That guy is a charlatan. I don't know you, but I know the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying here? When you know him, it's amazing. And you're not alone. Even though you might be criticized, even though you might be ostracized, greater is the one that's on the inside of you than the one that's on the outside of you. There are more that are with us than that are with them. You and the Holy Spirit are a majority. When God says, this is my beloved son, my beloved daughter, in whom I am well pleased, that settles it. That settles it. And shortly after that, he announces the first day of his ministry, and they want to throw him off of a cliff. You want to talk about rejection. Was he moved by it? No, because he's already been accepted by the Father. When you know you've been accepted by the Father because you received the Father's promise, then everything else is just frivolous. Come on, just lift your hands and just thank the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to help you. Ask Him to help you. Say, I want to know you more, Holy Spirit. Help me. Especially if you've been in your head a lot. You just analyze everything. You're all out of your head. You're living out of your head. You need to just ask Him to help you, to know Him, to be more intimate with Him, to be close to Him. He's close to you, but you got to draw near to Him. He'll draw near to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're the one here sent from the Father. By the word of the Son to be with us and to help us to prepare us we recognize that and we're gonna be committed to walking with you as you walk with us in Jesus name hallelujah thank you for tuning into my podcast I hope that you have been blessed I would like for you to consider two things. Number one, subscribe to our show to receive notifications of our new podcasts. Number two, support our ministry of reaching the nations with revival by clicking on the link in the description or visiting our website, riverwpb.com. Thank you for tuning in. Look forward to you joining our next podcast. God bless you.